Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Hello and welcome to Backspin. My name's Steve Anderson. Larry Canning's with me yet again. Hello, Larry. G'day, Steve. G'day, listeners. We've got plenty coming up today, Larry. Of course, uh, Inside Golf for the people behind Backspin. We love them, don't we? We love the whole Inside Golf team. You can pick up a copy of Inside Golf. In fact, the July edition is out and about in clubhouses across the country. You love it. You're in it. I'm in it. I write a column in it, Steve. And still, to this day, I can't believe they still pay me to do it, but they do. It's up the back, isn't it? Yeah, it's towards the back, <laughs> backish. That's why it's on you the back see, nine. You see people going into the clubhouse, picking up inside golf, and reading it from the straight back. straight to the back. They go. Yeah. yeah, I've seen them do it. Yep. Um, if you can't um, get one in your clubhouse, you can obviously go to insidegolf.com.au because it's chockers with stuff, that website. Great website, yeah. Including Backspin. You can listen to old episodes of Backspin. You can get all sorts of golf information. Um, it's at insidegolf.com.au. You can also get Backspin, by the way, in the iTunes store or at iHeartRadio. Now, today, Larry, uh, we're going to talk about the British Open very soon, or the Open Championships, as it's officially referred to. The Open, yeah. Yes, the Open Championship. Yes, that's the one. It's the biggest one in the world, Steve. It's that we wait for this every year. Fantastic event. Yeah, we'll talk some more about that in just a moment. Being played at Carnoustie this year in Scotland, the Beast as it's known, and a bloke who was at Carnoustie in 1999, one of the most famous uh, finishes to a British Open of all time, was Craig Parry. We're going to chat to Craig Parry. Why, why was he there? What was he doing? He was leading. He was leading the <laughs> yeah. British Open going into the last round. He was playing with um, the, the Vanderveld, a very famous final hole there that we'll talk about with Craig, and he'll talk us through um, what happened that yeah. day. Yeah, because he's got a totally different take on it. He was right there, Steve. It was, he was in the last group with Vanderveld, so yeah. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Yeah, it was uh, quite an amazing finish, and, and Craig Parry can tell us from his point of view what it was like to be on that 18th hole at Carnoustie back in 1999. We're going to travel today. We're going to the beautiful central coast of New South Wales. You hail from the central coast. I hail from the central coast. We love it. It's a great part of the world. We love hailing from the Central Coast, don't we, we do. Yeah. And back in our day when we were living there, there were some good golf courses there, mm. but these days there are some great golf yeah, courses absolutely. there. We're yeah. going to talk Two particularly, of the best. Yeah, particularly about Coinda Waters today and mm. also Magenta Shores. Love them. Mag- magnificent golf courses. I've played them quite a few times. I love them. And we're going to catch up with one of your relatives, I believe, to talk about it. Yeah, I'm not sure he wants us to, to uh, renounce that. That he is actually related to me, but, but he is the great man, Mark Churcher, That's who's the the, uh, the professional at Coinda Waters. Head professional Coinda, yes. Yep. We'll talk with Church about uh, Coinda Waters and Magenta Shores very soon. Um, a, a tip from you as well: How far should you stand from the ball? We're not talking about after you've hit it, Steve. We're talking before you hit it. After you hit it, as far away from the as you can be. But yeah, it's an interesting point, and it's got to do with balance and how you swing in balance is is, is um. It's very relative to swinging, swinging the golf club without falling over or losing your balance is how far you stand from it. Like I do. Exactly, mate. Yeah. And are you going to have a spit about something? Something got you cranky? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm defending the great white shark. <laughs> of course you are. That's why you're sitting here in the nude right now, isn't it? <laughs> Just freezing. You blokes are unbelievable. You're in shark country. You're in the shark camp, aren't you? I love sharky. Yeah. If the shark says it's good to do it, you do it. A bit of hake. Have you had hake, Steve? 
The abetted hake? I probably have, I yeah. That's shark. It's beautiful. Love it, yeah. Fish nice. and chip shop up yeah, on the central the coast. Up on the central coast, yeah. Yeah. All right, so you, you're going to spit about the shark. Or you, 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 you're going to defend the shark. I love the shark. I'm going to defend him. Nude the hell up, I say. Coming up later in Backspin, let's talk about the Open Championship, the British Open at Carnoustie. What are your thoughts? Um, look, the most difficult golf course on the Open Rotor, that, um, and probably uh, that means that a really good player will will win, uh, as has happened in the past. And maybe except for that one where Paul Laurie won that in the Vanderbilt thing. But uh, it's it's one of those golf courses where the, the cream will come to the top, a bit like the US Open we just saw. Um, and I'm liking uh, a European victory, Steve. I think there's a and, – and I know you like Tommy Fleetwood, but there's – there's a guy um, called Francesco Molinari, the Italian, who has mm. won in America. He's won in the, the British PGA, which is the, probably the second biggest event in Europe. Um, he's in great form. I like him. I like the way he plays. Very simple golf swing. Beautiful strike over the ball. Not necessarily longer than, than anyone, but just he can hit a lot of great shots. Alex Noren is someone I've been talking about for a while too, Steve. Alex Noren, the, the Swedish player that's played well in America, had nearly won um, in fact, was beaten in a playoff by Jason Day earlier in the year in America. He's uh, he's looking no goods. And Henrik Stenson, of course, you know, he, I don't think anyone, if, if when he's on, no one can beat him. If he happens to be on this week, we saw it at Troon a few years ago when he beat Mickelson. Um, yes, I've, I've picked three. They're all Europeans. Um, of course, it'll be fantastic to watch Tiger Woods again in a major in some pretty handy form. His putting has been a bit of an issue, but he's changed his putter recently, so... Um, I think he's going to feature. I hope he will, and, and the whole world is because it'll be. How good would it be to see him maybe in the last group with a European player, and you know, and, and just going head to head with somebody? It, it's going to be fantastic. Rory McIlroy, of course, Justin Rose. Well, it's pretty wide open, really, isn't oh, it? I mean, it's absolutely. That's, that sort of event. It's that sort of course as well. I, you mentioned that I like Tommy Fleetwood. Two reasons there. Number one, uh, he's in pretty good form, runner-up in the uh, in the US Open. And as well as that, he's the course record holder at Carnoustie. Yeah, shot, yeah. A, shot a 63 there last year. Mm, now, you mentioned that earlier, and I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's definitely, he loves the golf course, doesn't he? Yeah. Clearly. He knows how to play it. But Absolutely. I, I suppose one of the other things, too, is that um, it depends on the conditions on the day there, too. So, yes. they're, they're so influential on the way it's going to play. I mean, on any golf course, but particularly uh, a course like this in Scotland, it's really going to make the difference, isn't it? I think, yeah, Tommy Fleetwood's going to win something big very, very soon. A major, probably... Um, he he plays well when the when the gas is on with the biggest events he he comes to the top. It doesn't get any bigger than the British Open, so yeah, he's definitely going to be in the frame somewhere, surely. So you're you're going to single out Molinari, are you? I'm going to single out yeah, Francesco Molinari. Francesco Molinari, yeah. yeah. He, has he been close in any of the majors? Uh, no, no, no. I wouldn't say he's uh, he, he. I think he might have featured in an Open a couple of years ago, but no, I just. The way his his form has been, the way he's building, and having won, like like I said, the British PGA huge event, um, I think he's gone past that point where um, he can't he can't win because he's nervous or he, you know he's inexperienced at winning. He's now a winner, and um, and the British Open, well, you know, it, it, it suits him. He plays he's played a lot of golf in Europe. He knows that sort of golf. He can play well in wind and and, and hard and fast. Uh, golf courses so yeah I just like him for that Justin Rose I, I or, uh, can I just throw another one in because of course you can you throw the whole field I like in Justin Rose only because he has won a major as well uh, he's won a US Open of course and he is in great form as well so I'm going to go Molinari 
I'm going to go two. I'm going to Justin Rose and Molinari, Steve, if that's okay. Can I have two? You can have please? two, but if you had to split them, who would it be? Uh, Molinari. Molinari. There you go. That's uh, Larry's tip. You heard it here first on Backspin. We're uh, going to come back very soon with Craig Parry, but uh, Larry, we should also mention the bloke who pushes the buttons. Uh, Andrew Bunce, our executive producer, as he likes to call himself. We just call him Buncey the Button Pusher. <laughs> I'm introducing, I'm letting people know again because occasionally you hear a laugh in the background. Mm. It's not your laugh, it's Some not might. my no. laugh. It sounds like, you know, your grandmother having a bit of a chuckle at, <laughs> at are you being served. There it is. That's Buncey in the background pushing the buttons for us. He's a good-looking rooster. Isn't he? he is a good-looking rooster. We'll put a photo up uh, <laughs> yes. on the internet of him one of these days. Now, before we go, if you want to talk to us, you can do that. Is the Facebook page up yet? It's a, it, it is yes. Okay. Facebook. Yes. Go to the Facebook page. What's it called? Um, Facebook page. Page. Yes. <laughs> right. Keep working on that one. But if you've got any feedback on backspin, or if someone at your club's done something great that you want to tell us about, by all means, get in touch. Either do it through the insidegolf.com.au website or go to the Facebook page that doesn't have a name yet. (laughs) More in a moment. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Craig Parry is one of the best golfers to come out of Australia in the last 30 years. With wins on every major tour, including six in Europe, and two on the PGA Tour, he established a reputation as one of the grittiest competitors in the game. In the 1999 British Open at Carnoustie, the venue for this year's Open, he was a part of one of the most memorable finishes in tournament golf history. Playing in the final pairing with Frenchman Jean Vandervelde, his own chance of victory had slipped by as they headed to the 18th tee. With Vandervelde needing double bogey or better for victory, what unfolded as the two played that final hole was nothing short of remarkable. Craig Parry, welcome to Backspin. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a great honour, mate, to have you on the show today. We're going to, in a little while, go back to uh, Carnoustie, the British Open in 1999. But before we do that, what are you up to these days? I'm not doing a great deal. I've got a, a golf course on the go at the moment up at Teven, a little nine-holer, which has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed doing it, and uh, it's turned out fantastic. And you were part of Kawinda, uh, Craig, weren't you, way back in, uh, well, how many years ago? Yeah, that? yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was while I was still playing. Yep. And, um, you know, that was... Uh, a very rewarding project as well. Oh, that's a fantastic golf course, yeah. Um, Craig, uh, we, we, we talk about uh, your career and we, we see that you have 26 wins, of course. You've won on every continent pretty well the world has, maybe outside of the moon. Um, but twice in America, one very famous victory, Craig, and we can't go any further without discussing that six-iron second shot on the 18th at Doral in the four championship in a playoff against Scott Verplank. Yeah, well, that, that one was um, pretty amazing because... Uh, in South America, in Florida, there were more South Americans barracking for me than there were for Scott Verplank, who is an, an American. So it was like a home game for me versus uh, what probably Scott had. And he's a nice guy, isn't he, Scott? Yeah, no, Scott's a good guy. Yeah, and um, the last couple of years when I was playing the Champions Tour, he was always saying, why didn't you sell yeah. me the car? In case the listeners aren't aware, of course, Craig, Craig hold his second shot with a six on on the 18th. Eagle two, um, which left Scott Verplank having to play a second shot with his eyes and his head virtually um, frozen down and looking at the ground wondering, what can I do now? But the other thing too, as you just mentioned, Craig, is that car you won. And everyone, that, that's the other thing everyone remembers about that victory. What, what happened to the car? It's gone off to um, uh, Europe somewhere and... Uh 
you know, I used it for about a year, and uh, you know, it was an unbelievable machine. It was, it was really a racing car. What was and, it? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty was a funky GT40. looking machine. Yeah, it was a GT40. It was the only car in the world I oh. could see over the top of. You know, while watching it. <laughs> but um, no, it was an amazing car, and uh, you know, I'm told you could spin the wheels in first, second, and third gear. Um, Craig, uh, you also won the, the, a World Golf Championship in the States. You beat Fred Funk and Robert Allenby in a playoff. Now, that must have been rewarding because Allenby no, has... No, that wasn't a playoff. I, I played with him in the final round. Oh, OK. Right. OK. Excellent. Well, that's... Yeah, but, yeah good. So get get over the top of Robert, Robert Allenby would have been rewarding. <laughs> At least it's an Aussie colleague. I know, but he's a, a gritty performer. It, it, that, well, well, that one was actually a, a different type of um, uh, tournament because it's the first time I'd won on the, the uh, PGA Tour even though it was a World Golf Championship event. But I was playing with two guys I really enjoyed playing with, right. in Fred and Robert. So, you know, it was just like going out with a couple of mates and, um, you know, just going out for a hit. Let's go back to 1999, British Open, uh, final round, Carnoustie, the final uh, the final hole, and John Vandervelde. Um, it's pretty pretty famous series of events or set of events that panned out on that hole. It'd be one of the most famous golf holes in British Open history, wouldn't it? Played by... It's an amazing hole, um, extremely difficult, as everyone knows, and intimidating. It's got all the factors. It's one of those holes, you, looking back, you don't want to have to have the lead to uh, be playing the last um, hole. Do you have clear memories of, of arriving at the tee on the 18th? Yeah, absolutely. I was filthy because I just three-putted 17 and made a double bogey, and then I had no chance of actually uh, even you know, being a low score uh, if whatever happened. And uh, at that stage, it looked like John was actually going to win, even if he made double bogey, he was going to win. But just, just, just before that, Craig, just before the 18th tee, yep. you were leading on the 12th or 13th tee? Is that right? Yeah, on the 12th tee, I had a one-shot lead over John, right. and then we had uh, probably about three or four shots over the next guys, which would have been Paul Laurie, who was sitting in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, it might have even been five shots. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good finish from uh, myself or John. So as soon as John take the drive route on 18 two, you're thinking, no, should you whack that back in the bag and pull one of those little metal heads no, out? He, no, Larry, he really had to. There, there was no option. Uh, we were playing in a little bit of uh, wind and a little bit of rain. There was a slight drizzle that you didn't pick up on the TV, but, you know, it was making it play 20 yards longer the hole. So, you know, he, he needed to hit driver to get across all the... the the thick rough off the tee. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he needed to carry it 240 yards, which is you know close enough to 220 meters. And you know, cool air and, and rain, ball's not going that far. You know, you, you do need to hit the big dog. So the two iron second shot, good play, good idea. Yeah, it was it was a very good play. Um, it, hindsight, it wasn't, but uh, you know, you've got two round objects hitting each other. The one being the golf ball hitting a pole was round as well. And it hit absolutely perfect to yeah. come back the other side. Um, if it is anywhere other than dead flush, you know, it drops down either in the grandstand or it goes just right near the uh, the, the green itself. Yeah, even yeah. if he gets in the long rough, you know, all of a sudden he can actually move it out of that rough and, and make his bogey and win the tournament. So it wasn't um, it wasn't a case of, of you questioning anything he did. I mean, Peter, listening, watching it back and listening to Peter Alice's commentary, that's all Peter Alice did all, all the way through was question everything mm-hmm. that, that, that Jean did, you know, in terms of playing that hole. But you, uh, as his playing partner and uh, playing the way you were playing, you didn't. You, there were no doubts in your mind in those early stages of the hole at all, by the sound of it. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, what, what you've got to remember is the, the commentators, they're in a, a booth. They're on site, but they're in a booth, and they don't know it's raining. They don't. They can't feel the wind that we can feel. It, it's a totally different perspective on playing the hole. You know, with, with that little bit of wind and rain, he had to hit driver, and where he finished out on the right-hand side, you know, his angle going, even if he hit pitch and wedge for his next shot, he's actually aiming at the out-of-bounds yeah, yeah. and the, the thick rough up, up the left-hand side. And it's not that easy a shot. I mean, maybe you could have chipped it uh, and then played onto the green. However, you know, if you miss the green just west, it goes out of bounds. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he did the right thing. He was he was favouring the right side. The ball drops down at the green. You know, he chips on and he wins the open by a couple of shots. What about his, his, you know, hindsight's always really easy. Yeah, he takes his shoes off, Craig. What were you thinking, mate? Well, he, what, well the problem was, no, you can't defend this one, surely. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I was over the other side of the, the, the burn, and when he chipped it into the, 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 the creek itself, mm. um, his ball was only half plugged. It was only half buried. But if you look at the replay, he actually walks over the left-hand side and, and walks across the bridge and then decides he's going to get in there. If he, if he went straight to the, uh, the ball rather than walking around, he could have played it out because it was far enough back from the, the wall itself and the face on it was only about four foot high, but he was a good three metres back from the face. So, you know, it was just like playing a plug ball in a bunker, and it was sand, so, you know, it's not like there were rocks and debris around the golf ball. So, you know, the ball was only half plugged. The tide was coming in, and it was coming in quite quick. By the time he mucked around, the ball is a lot more underwater. It's, it's inter- Again, it's interesting because watching it on TV, you think, what the hell's he even doing? Uh, taking yeah, well, his shoes off, let alone see, getting well, in that, there. That's yeah. he, when he got there, he could see that he may be able to yeah, play it. Yeah. Because it, the part of the ball is, is above the waterline. And as he's taken, as I say, as he's taken the time to actually do it, the ball is getting further and further and oscillating and, and going further into the, the sand and the water. So, you know, as I say, hindsight's always easy to make good decisions. But, um, you know, if he got there a little bit quicker, he might have been able to play it. So your hold bunker shot, Craig. No, after all the dramas happening, he's in the trap for five. You're in for two. In fact, you hit a you hit two beautiful you hit two beautiful shots in there, didn't you? A beautiful drive down the centre and a great looking iron, which was unlucky yeah. not to actually finish close anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't that far. It was never going to be that far away from the hole. Mm. It only had to be you know, four foot left of wherever it uh, finished, and it would have got really close to the hole. That's sometimes you know just golf. You know, you can hit good shots and not get rewarded. Yeah, yeah. the whole the whole bunker shot, mate. But you see, you. Like it was, the look on your face was one of like, oh, God, well, why did that happen now? Where, where was that when I needed it? Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, I made a, a double, a triple, and a bogey on the back nine. Yeah, yeah. Out yeah. By a shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I felt as though I, I threw six shots away, and, um, you know, he felt as though he shot through three away. You know, six is a lot harder to swallow than three. Yeah, yeah. That um, uh, after you hold that shot out of the bunker, the the roar from the crowd uh, again watching watching the replay of it, the roar from the crowd was just incredible. Yeah, well, look, obviously we took a long time to play the hole, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you they're know, excited to see something good happen. Over, and now all of a sudden, all the drama's happening, and one of their own are going to be in a playoff for the Open Championship, being Paul Laurie. Now, again, I'm relying on the TV footage here, but after uh, Jean Vandervelde hold his part for a triple bogey seven, 
It looked like, to me, it looked like he thought he'd done enough. It looked like he thought he, he'd had the, the six he, he needed for victory. No, he, he knew. He, he was sort of um, a bit blindsided about what it all would happen. I, I sit there and I'm watching it all unfold. I can see he's making the, the right choices all the way along. Yeah. Just, it didn't come off. Um, you know, even when the ball came across the other side of the, the um, burn and he had to play his shot before he hit it, Shifted into the water, you know, he's in long rough. The grass is wet now because it's been raining. Anyone who plays golf knows that if you've got long rough and it's wet, the ball's going to go left and then going to turn straight over on you. If that happens, he hits it out of bounds. You know, that's why he decelerated and the the ball went into the water. Now, that's that's extraordinary that that. You've talked about out of bounds here a few times. How close that must be to the edge of that green, Mm. Craig. It must be be a diabolical golf hole. Yeah, it is. If you if you hit it just left of the green, it will go out of bounds. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Right, I'm talking a couple of metres left of the green. You're not going to design any holes like that in your, in your course designing, are you, Craig? Please? <laughs> no. So, well, there's, there's a lot of holes like that in the open that you think, well, what was the architect thinking? Yeah, you think the yeah. 17th hole at St Andrews? Yep, yep. The old course? Um, you know, there are many holes in the Open Championship Rotor where you just go, hmm. Yeah. Don't know about this one, but yeah. it is what it is, and the game's got the history through it. And you know, architects of today uh, shouldn't be allowed to design holes like that because <laughs> you need people to get around. I read an interview with uh, Jean Vandervelde the other day, and he's pretty philosophical about the whole thing. He seems like a, a genuinely nice bloke. Is that the case? Yeah, no, I always got on really well with Jean, and um, the only thing that was negative on the day was uh, he was playing slow, and he was standing on the side of the tee and. I got my caddy to make sure he was off the tee because I didn't want him moving when we were on the tee. So, uh, you know, I just had a couple of words to him about that. You know, come on, hurry up, move it along. Because I didn't want to get on the clock and yeah, make the yeah. last thing you want, you know, playing the final group. What, what about this year, Craig? Is the course any different to, to the way it was sort of uh, about 99 or uh, was it 2007, I think, last time they played the Open there? Is the course any oh. different these days? I'm sure well, we played it two years ago in the Senior Open. Uh, the, the golf course didn't have as much rough as what we had in 99. Uh, and I'm sure this year it won't have as much rough as what we had previously. However, the um, the par five on the front nine, I think it's number six, the, the fairway had changed. Uh, originally it used to go down the left-hand side of the bunkers, I believe, and now it's gone to the right-hand side. So it's it just changed a little bit in that regard. But the distance is the same. Uh, it just used to have the out-of-bounds brought into play a lot yep, more. Yep. And there's, there's more water on that golf course than, than most links courses, would you say, in, yeah, ter- in terms of yeah, the burns? like on, on holes like number 10, the, the, the burn comes you know, straight across the, um, the, the entrance into the green and also along the right-hand side of the green. And you've got the burn on the 18th as well. It comes into play 17. It comes into play a couple of times off the tee. Mm. There is water out on the golf course in a few areas. Is it a course you like to play? I mean, it's known as the, the oh, I love it. known as the beast, but it, it's yeah. a course you like. Well, we used to call it Canarsie. Yeah, yeah, I've, heard, I've read that. <laughs> yeah, I, I played a uh, Scottish Open there where I finished third. I think uh, Wayne Riley won it, Soldo second. I finished third, and then we had uh, ninety nine where I played all right there. Last time I went there, I, I the senior Open, I didn't play any good and missed the cut. So uh, you know, maybe I've uh, worn out my welcome at um, Canarsie. <laughs> <laughs> who, do you, who do you think this year? 
oh, I've got no idea. I mean, you have to be so lucky on, mm. you know, the draw that you get, the playing partners you get, where the flag places go. You know, it's just so many different factors involved, especially playing around Lynx Golf. A player that's got his head around playing Lynx Golf is obviously Jordan Spieth. He, he's amazing, you know, the way he played last year. He didn't deserve to win the Open, but he had a, a heart the, the size of Texas, which is where he's from, and... Uh, <laughs> He, he got the job done. Okay, so Spieth, we're going we're gonna to put you down for Spieth, Craig. <laughs> well, he's not a bad player. He's all right. You've done all right, mate. Yeah, you've done okay. Craig, mate, thanks very much for, for, for your time. And, no worries, uh, boys. And uh, you've, you've been a, a big part of Australian golf, um, not only as a player, but also in the admin. You were chairman of the, of the PGA there for a number of years. So thanks, mate, for everything you do for the game in Australia, and uh, we'll see you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Craig. All right. Thanks, Steve. See you, Larry. The Backspin Interview. Thanks to Inside Golf. Well, there are a few things that get Larry Canny more excited than talking about golf products, and he's got another one for us today. It's the Zexio driver. Larry, I, I've got to be honest, I've never heard of Zexio. Yeah, a, a lot of people haven't, Steve. It's um, it's the it, it's been the number one selling golf club in Japan for the last eighteen years. So it's obviously massive in Japan and Korea as well. It's the number one selling golf club in in Korea. So it's got you know it, it sells a lot of a lot of stuff, and it's kind of aimed more not so much at the tour player. Their mantra, Zexio's mantra, and it's actually spelled XXIO for the listeners. Um, is just one more time, just write that down. XXIO. IO. So and it's pronounced Zexio. Did you make that up? Has the pronunciation or that's how they say it? No, that, that's how they say it. Okay. No, you don't make anything up when it comes to Zexio. Z- well, you could They could chop your head clean off with <laughs> Zexio. <laughs> Look, the mantra, Steve, as I was saying, is making lightweight, easy to swing golf clubs. So they're not targeting the, the, the Dustin Johnsons or the Bubba Watsons. They're targeting us, you and me, Stephen. I've actually been using one of these drivers, and I've kept it a bit of a secret because I sort of borrowed it off Chris Murchie, the club fitting expert from Srixen, who who also fits Sexier. And I don't think he knows I've still got it. So I've I've got I've been using it for the past six months. It's a bit of a secret. <laughs> yeah, I've got the I've got the previous model. It's XEO ten is the one we're going to be talking about today. I've got the previous model here. And look, when I when I started hitting this driver, Steve, I, I, I suddenly I started to hit the ball out of the centre of the face. Now I've got my driver in my hand there, and I'm showing you the marks on the face. And that's I haven't wiped any of them off. All the other clubs. But I have in my bag, I wash them after every hit so I don't, don't want anyone to see where I'm actually hitting the ball. But with my driver, I've purposely left those there. And that is dead centre, isn't it? I mean, there that's is, extraordinary. There's not a mark outside of the centre of the face of that club. And we're not, we're, I've got, this is true. We're, I'm actually holding this club, Steve. You're staring at it. I am. And yeah. there it is. And so, look, I'm transfixed, listeners. From that moment, I've taken a bit of an interest in Zexio and I've been watching where, what's been happening with the company in terms of where they're selling their product. They've just released stuff in America. So, they're going to be huge in America. The precision in which they make their gear is another issue too. It's 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 unbelievable. They have their own titanium for the driver head. Um, they don't use just normal titanium. They they weigh the grips on every every club. They laser them so that they're straight. The grips. Um, they, the shafts have. Um, the, they've got more graphite in them than any other graphite shaft. A lot of graphite shafts have a lot of resin to hold the graphite together. These ones are just beautiful graphite. They're the best shafts you can get. It's it's really is it's, it's oh, I nearly have to say one of the best golf clubs I've ever hit, and and I know I say that a lot, but 
the, the Zexio brand and and the, and the this driver that have been hitting, I'm so excited to try something. Oh, I want to get into the irons too. Yeah, I, I watched a, a video on, uh, I suppose, an online review of the, the Zexio clubs. The mantra seems to be all about creating clubs, as you say, for the people like us. I mean, mm. you know, your golf, my golf, poles apart, but I hear what you're saying there. They refer to modern swing speed. Moderate. Moderate. Moderate swing speed, I thought yes. you were saying modern. No, mo- mean, moderate. Yeah, I thought yeah. the same. Yeah, no, yeah. it's moderate. Moderate is, um, they say, 95 mile an hour or less. Now, I'm, I think the last time I measured my swing speed with Chris Murchie, it was around 99. He kept telling me 100, but I was, I know he was lying to me just to make me feel better. That was before I stole his driver, of course. So, I am in that moderate swing speed. Now, you, you might be... Sp- 75, 80. Well, I think last time mine was measured, um, the bloke wrote down school zone swing speed. <laughs> Some, that's what it looked like he was writing anyway. So. Anyhow. Your parents run out with signs. <laughs> 40K zone. But the, the point is that their technology and their research and development is all based around catering for that market. It it's is. not the top end. It's that... Oh, that, it's, it, it's top end uh, in terms of, uh, sure. of, of quality. It, it, there's understand. nothing topper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> understand that. top as top can get. But in terms of who they're catering for, <clears throat> that's where they're aiming. And they're to, the, to produce the best club they possibly can. For the people that play the game exactly. that, that aren't playing the US Tour. Having said that, Steve, Ernie Els has just signed up with them, uh, which is interesting as well. Obviously, he's, he's, the, he's the perfect uh, brand for their brand. You know, classy, um, you know, easygoing... Uh, professional, very professional professional. He's he's the big easy. The big easy. And he's um he's in his 49th year. So right. so I think that's an, an indication that his swing speed is probably slowing down at that age. And um, he's going to finish up with different specifications to you and I. Um, so the club can be made for someone who is still playing on the tour. But but I, I wouldn't see someone like a Tommy Fleetwood or a, or a Brooks Kepka or someone using this because it's not designed for them. So at the end of the day, with that design, what does it mean? Is the sweet spot is is it a bit more forgiving? I mean, if you don't quite get it in the sweet spot on the off the face, is the sweet spot bigger? Is there well, more uh, likelihood that you, you're going to get the distance you want? You've- yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of a lot of cavity, a lot of forgiveness in the head, Steve. So you can miss hit it and still get a pretty good shot out of it. In fact, get a very good shot out of it. But but the the difference with Zexio to to all the others I feel is that I'm hitting the ball more out of the centre of the face. I am finding this golf club far easier to swing, and therefore get getting them centre of the face more. And that's the best way to hit the ball further. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you know how long the driver is or how stiff or soft or whatever the shaft is, and and, and you can pick, pick up more clubhead speed. If you're not getting it out of the centre, it's just not going to go as far. Um, and I, I'm fighting this golf club, and, and when I read the mantra here that they're making lightweight, easy to swing golf clubs, I thought, well, that's exactly the way it feels to me. And I just feel like I can swing this club, I can have a hangover or an injury or <laughs> just have a terrible day, and take this driver out and just catch the centre of the face most times. And, and, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a, been a real eye-opener for me. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And Chris uh, Murchie's probably never going to see it again. I, I'm pretty... Pretty sure. So why, Chris, um, club fitter for Strixon? Yeah, he's it under their he banner. All the professionals and all the, all the yeah. juniors. But is it under their banner? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, it's it's. Did, did I not bring that up earlier? I don't think so. Zexio is part of Dunlop Sports Japan, and they also have Strixon and Cleveland. Okay, there you so go. So all under the one umbrella. Yeah, big right. company, massive company in Japan. They, uh, you mentioned earlier that they're really they've got a big drive on into the American market. Mm. Is it the same out here in Australia? Yes, or? there's quite a few places now uh, where you can get the Zexio. It was very limited at, at one point, but uh, if you go on the zexio.com.au, 
Make sure you put the AU on. So it's xxio.com.au. You will find, what do you call those things you touch? You hit with your icon. Yeah, icon. Yeah. You'll find an icon, Steve. Yep. And it will say dealers. Just hit on dealers and okay. it'll give you all the, all across Australia. Every state has a, a group of dealers. So yeah, jump on, have a hit, try them. Yeah, check it out. If you want to go to the website and have a look before you uh, make inquiries about giving it a try, xxio.com.au. Beautiful, beautiful golf clubs. And if you go to Sexio, S-E-X-I-O. <laughs> that's, on the, that's on the other computer. You'll, you'll, be in, you'll be in totally the wrong place. There's not a drip of good in you, fella. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. More in a moment. Travel the world and play golf. Let's go somewhere with Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Well, Larry, the central coast of New South Wales, you love it. I love it. Uh, Golden beaches, pristine natural parks, beautiful weather as well. Why did we ever leave? I have no idea, Stephen. We're sitting here in the middle of a coat in a a very cold climate. I'm going to tell you why we left, because they didn't have golf courses back when we were there, back in the day, like Coinda Waters and Magenta Shorts. Yes, that's very correct. Magnificent golf courses. But they do now. We've got the head professional from Coinda Waters Golf Club on the phone, Mark Churcher. Hello to you. Hi, Steve. How are you going? G'day, Marky. G'day, Larry. How are you, Larry? Good, mate. I slept with your sister last night. (laughs) (laughs) I keep talking to her about that, that it's time to move on, but she she does feel sorry for you, Larry. But anyway... (laughs) Do you want to explain that one, you two, or you just want to keep it? No, let's keep it that. Let it hang there. Yeah, listen, let it hang there, yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Coinda Waters, Mark, tell us all about it. Give us the the elevator speech about Coinda Waters, because it's got a great reputation. Yes, Steve. It's um, it's a resort course uh, up in the suburb of Wyong. Um, it's it's got a, a massive hotel attached to it, which is run by the Acor Group, uh, and championship golf course that uh, was designed by Ross Watson and Craig Parry. Um, and just that little bit different to your, your standard golf courses on the Central Coast, as far as uh, full championship golf course, uh, water surrounded virtually on every hole. Um, and you know, condition-wise, it, 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 it's it's always in great condition twelve months of the year. So um, it is it is that. a it is a flat-out championship course, Mark. I've played it, and, uh, in fact, played it with you last time I played there, and um, it may not have been championship after we'd finished because it might have been fixing filling a few. Did you run out of balls, Larry? I or think did I'm I run right. out of balls? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's, it's a it's a it's a world-class golf course, and. Uh, and in and, and in the central coast is um, I mean there's some really nice courses there but uh, until Magenta and and um, and Kawinda came up you know this they are world class championship golf courses aren't they in, in in the middle of this beautiful place the central coast central coast yeah they are and it just gives that that option of people now not having to travel to the uh, you know the Hunter region to to play you know a couple of really really great quality golf courses so it's it's sort of turning into a little bit of a golfing destination. Um, you know, with these two courses on the map up here, yeah. But the, but this isn't just talk. I mean, it's been backed up by things. It's been rated among the the uh, top one hundred layouts in in all of Australia, including being in the top fifty for um, uh, the favourite golf courses of Australia, voted by the public. So as I say, you know, this isn't just talking about what a lovely course it is. This is people, the public, voting with their their feet. Well, that's in there playing it. That's a good point, Steve. That the fact that the public are rating it, isn't it? Because sometimes golf courses are created for for tour players, and the, and the punters just can't get around, and they're too difficult. But obviously, at Kawinda, they've balanced it out perfectly where the punter can get around and, and shoot his you know, 100 or 120 or whatever he wants, you know, but the, the tour player can play it and be challenged as well. Yeah. 
What do you suggest, Mark? Is there a day that's best for a, a, someone that's listening to this? They want to go and have a hit. Any day you recommend that's better Look, than another? Well, well, we're open seven days a week. That's that's the advantage of, of uh, Coinda Water, Steve, is that we're open seven days a week to the to the public. I mean, we do have, obviously, times blocked out for our our membership, which are mainly early in the morning, but... Uh, we, we do a lot of trade on a Saturday um, as far as small groups that want to come up from the city, stay in the hotel, you know, groups of 12, 16 that we can get on around that 11, 30 mark on a Saturday. And I don't think you'd come across too many golf courses mm, yeah, uh, yep. around, well, Sydney or, or anywhere that would allow people to go out and play, play golf. Of that so, quality, yeah. Of that quality, yeah. Um, and that we do, you know, we do do a lot of business in, in small groups as well as corporate groups. But, you know, just as, as much as coming out to have a social game, you know, most days from about midday, um, if you didn't want to get tangled up in amongst a, a big crowd of people, uh, sort of from midday, seven days a week, we can we can virtually get you out there and you can just go at your leisure and, uh, you know, play the golf course and really enjoy the scenery as well. So One of the other things about Coinda Waters, is, as you mentioned, is the accommodation there. You've got a four-and-a-half-star Mercure Resort on the yeah. golf course itself, uh, I haven't stayed. I'd love to stay there, Mark. I really would. I've heard a lot about it. So you know, <laughs> he's I would fishing, Mark. I would Watch love him. to uh, <laughs> come up and stay there at some stage or another. But in terms of being on the coast, spending a few days there and playing all the other courses as well, it's a great, great place to base yourself. Yes, it is, Steve. Yeah, and it sleeps up to about eighty nine. Um, eighty nine guests can stay, and we do actually have uh, two and three bedroom. Uh, Pods that, that that are good for the groups that come because you know they can they can split it up into a couple mm-hmm. of king single rooms and you can get sort of six guys into a room which keeps the cost down. Um, actually, Larry has stayed up here on a few occasions. Um, yep. Oh, yeah, Larry. Larry's told me how nice it is up there. I'd I'd love to come Beautiful and check room. it out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get stuff. <laughs> it's the old media freebie, Marky, isn't it? He does. Yeah, oh, I, God, I, I do get it. a birthday voucher every year, so I'll uh, I'll throw it your way, Steve. <laughs> you, you are you are all heart. You are all heart. Hey, listen. Um, uh, another thing, you've done a bit of a deal with the Magenta Shores. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, we've just um, just done done what we call a coastal retreat package, which. Um, just so you can enjoy the two courses, and uh, Magenta originally was was just privately members members only, and that that's what just did set us apart a little bit because we were always open to the public. And I think uh, with with this deal, though, I think they've started to realise that they've got such a good golf course over there as well that um, they needed to sort of come on board a bit with us. And uh, Arja, our, our our marketing girl, sort of touched base with them, and we've put this coastal retreat package together, which. Uh, Includes uh, Monday to Friday uh, for two people. They can they can stay overnight here at Cowinder and play both uh, our course and, and Magenta Shores for uh, a really good price. A little bit de- fraction dearer on on the uh, on the weekends, but it includes the accommodation at, at our Mercure Hotel here. Eighteen holes of uh, golf for two. Um, at both courses, yeah. So it, it, it's quite a good package to, for a little getaway to, um, to to either come up with your wife or or, or a mate, or, or even to bring a group of people to to get that same deal. So. Now, listen, we were talking with Craig Parry about uh, Jean Vanderveld's very famous seven on the uh, the eighteenth in the the nineteen ninety nine British Open, one of the most famous sevens in golf history. But Larry's been talking about another famous seven that um, someone had up at Coinda Waters. Do you know anything about that? Well, actually, it was at the Club Pro, Steve, up at um, Hope Island uh, many many years ago, and. Um, 
I'd sort of had a uh, got tangled up with some people that the night before. And, we were uh, celebrating something. We no, can't remember what it was. Yeah. We'd had a terrible first round, hadn't we? So we were, yeah. were out of contention. And Which I'll, meant we had an early start in the second yes. round. And Larry said, well, we, we should celebrate. I always blame Larry because he's <laughs> uh, my older brother-in-law. But um, we, we went out, Steve, and uh, probably had a... Few, I probably had a few too many, and uh, no, I then think we, we get had two too many, mate. At least <laughs> we're on our way right. to the golf course the next morning, and Larry's father actually had to, uh, yeah, responsible uh, <laughs> as we were, or irresponsible that night, but responsible the next morning. Arthur had to pick us up and get us to the golf course, and then while we're going to the golf course, Larry said, "Well, uh, obviously, Larry just taken over as the club pro down at Bowral, and they're going to do a segment on Larry as the." Barrel and do a bit of filming on us. It was well, a TV Larry show. It was a golf show, wasn't it? Golf show. And Larry wasn't travelling real well, and I was uh, <laughs> probably even worse. So Larry said, well, I'm going to have to call this off. So we've played the 11th hole, which we hit off the 10th, and halfway down the 11th, um, I'd carve one into the hazard and then dropped it and carved it left into the other hazard and then <laughs> taken another penalty. And um, I'd sort of uh, knock my next one just short of the green. Larry said, here comes the camera crew. And I'm going, well, it's all yours, Larry. He said, well, I've just told him I can't do it. So uh, the cameras are set up. So I've hold, hold this 40-foot putt, Steve, from the front of the par five green to the pin was up the back and it's gone in. Well, For seven. They, that for was seven. seven, and you pumped your fist like you know. You saw the yeah. camera. You were you were you were being a bit of a toss. I got to say, mate. You were pumping your fist like this is a really important part. So the camera crew rushed over, grabbed you, and took you aside. Yeah, and Larry's trying to yell out, "That was for seven, Mark, wasn't it?" Going, "No, Larry, it was three. You just you just sit in the cart over there." So they, they interviewed you. They, they interviewed me. I heard what you were saying. I mean, I saw it on TV. You were saying stuff like. Oh, well, you know, at this point in the round is a really crucial part. It kept my momentum going, and I'm, you know, I'm, I now can't wait to get to the next tee. I think I can go okay from here. I'm a chance, or something along those lines. Yeah, well, I think I was about to hold it for seven to go yeah, to about be... twelve over par into, yeah, exactly. into my second round. So I was wasn't rattling the scoreboard, but uh, <laughs> they <played> didn't. <laughs> Complete fabrication. Yeah, so uh, and you're on yeah, national so they went TV. On to, um, yeah, they went on. Yeah, went on to interview me. What what my thoughts were over the past. So I thought I'm going to I'm going to run with this. So I did make three. <laughs> so um, anyway, about two weeks later, Steve, I was in Harvey Norman at, at uh, West Gosford with my wife, and we're we're looking at buying a new TV. And next minute, the golf show come on, and you know when you go into those department stores yeah. and every channel's on the same. Yep. There's there's 25 Mark Churches <laughs> on this screen, and everyone's there listening to the interview, but no, no, no one was none the wiser that I'd made seven, so I'd, uh, they all thought I'd made eagles. So, well, there's only two people, yeah, or three people, three whoever people. else we were playing with in that group that now, knew what you'd actually had. <laughs> two million people thinking you'd made three. Three, that's right. And you were going to win. <laughs> Kind of weird, yeah. So <laughs> I soon realised when I hit my next tee shot that I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perceptions, <laughs> everything, mate. <laughs> if the, if the media <laughs> says it's true, it must be true. <laughs> yeah, let's right. not let's not spoil the magic. Hey, listen, if um, people want to know more about Coinda Waters, they can they can go to your website. They can go to uh, coindawatersgolf.com.au. Uh, we we sort of have a lot of the information. Um, Obviously advertised on our website, but uh, all our friendly staff are quite happy to help out with any inquiries. So uh, either give us a call or drop us an email and we can go from there. Good on you, Mark. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Larry. Sounds, thanks, Steve. Sounds good. Thanks, Mark, for that. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting up there. Uh, 
<laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> Mark, give him a freebie, for God's sake. I've, I've actually got, uh, I have got a room, Steve, so you and Larry can come up, have a game of golf, and um, we'll see if we can make seven up the 11. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrific. I'm, I'm coming up to Magenta Shores next month, so I might try and tie it in with that. <laughs> tie it in, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a game on both courses. That'd be great. Good on you, Mark. Good on you. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Thanks Steve. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Okay, see you, bye. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Yeah, Larry, something I've often thought about, in fact, I was thinking about it last night, is how far should you stand from the ball? Interesting. It, 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 well, I think it's really important, Steve, because if you most people stand too far away from the golf ball and as they swing, they lose their balance towards the toes. And the golf club can actually make contact with the ball on the heel of the club because their balance is moving towards the ball. It's uh, far better to have your feet, to have your weight in the middle of your feet. A lot of people think that's not right. You should be athletic on your toes, but definitely in the middle of your feet. The best way, Steve, for me to explain to you, young man, how far you should stand from the ball is to set up to a golf ball with maybe a five iron. Um, Now close your eyes, stand up tall, lift your hands up in front of you with the club. And then put yourself in a, with your eyes still closed, put yourself in a, in a position where you're comfortable, lower the club back to where you think the ball is, and then have a look where the club, open your eyes and have a look where the club is. You'll always find the club is maybe three, four, five inches inside the golf ball. So that's where you should be having the golf ball, way closer than most people think. I think a lot of people are scared that they will catch the ball out of the heel. The old Hillary swank, shank, septic tank. Um, you know, the ball coming out of the heel and shooting off at 45 degrees to the right is, is what most people fear the most. So they stand further away. The further away you stand, the more chance you have of actually hitting it out of the heel. And the reality is that probably how you should be standing doesn't feel as natural as the yeah, way you, you're inclined to stand. Yeah, once, when, when, visually when you see the ball, you, you try and get a little further away from it. But as I said, if you close your eyes and just put the club in where you think the ball is and then open your eyes, you'll always find the club will be inside the golf ball. That's where you should be. Make sure your balance is in the centre of your feet. I think a famous old golf pro said, feel like your feet, you're pushing your feet into wet cement. Yeah, that's gold, isn't it? Who said that? I had no idea. In fact, I just made it up. I just, it's a complete fabrication. <laughs> <laughs> he was nearly as wise as you. <laughs> Speaking of wise and you, um, it's time for you to have a, a well, you're not going to spit, you're going to defend. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to... Well, s- you're going to spit at the people who correct. are having a go at your old mate... Uh, the shark, Greg Norman. The, the great white man. Just because the bloke's getting around in the nutty these days. <laughs> well, he's not, actually, yeah, he's, he's more gold, isn't he, in that photo? How, how, how good does he look? Oh, he's, he's been working out. Yeah, he's got time. the all-over tan as well. Yeah, he's, he's, he's always been a pretty fit-looking rooster, though, hasn't he? He looks, well, I'd like to say like I did when I was 20, but I've never looked like that. I couldn't see much point. I don't know why he, why did he do it? Because he can, Steve. Right. Yeah, he's so, an inspiration to people in in their sixties. You can look like that if you go to the well, whatever he goes to the, the gym. I think they call it, don't they, Stu? Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, what what's your problem? Well, with- the social media have smashed him over this. Yeah, they've built it in that you know his his, his ego is bigger than his whatever whatever. <laughs> I want to say a certain part driver. of his body, but yeah. I can't. Bigger than his driver. Yeah. Um. Uh, and and you know he's um he's not showing any class. He's is he the only person ever to nude up in a photo? I mean, it's I've seen a lot of nude people, photos and magazines. Some, when, I, when I go to your place, usually, Steve, I pick up there's magazines everywhere with nude people in them. But there's, you know, people can nude up if they want. If they look like that, I, I would be nude every day if I looked like that. I wouldn't put clothes on at all, even in the middle, oh, maybe in the middle of winter I might because it gets a bit cold down in the Southern Highlands. But 
You know what I'm saying? Just let him let him have his. Yeah, mood. I can't say I agree with you. Hasn't he brought it on himself a bit though? He's not everyone's like, cup of tea. Exactly. I know that. That's that, that's that's what I'm saying is that sometimes he says things and do, does things that have got it to the point where if he's going to have photos taken with nothing on, people are going to have a crack. I know you you don't like that. I know you don't like the fact that people are having a go at him, but hasn't he brought it on himself to a certain extent? Um, no. No, he's just he's just Greg Norman. He can say and do what he likes. All right, he, does, he hasn't offended anyone. Look at look the the he was uh, he was an adornment to the game of golf and how to lose professionally and with class. He's done so many other classy things. I mean, he can do what he likes with his nude body. He can do you know he can just put it on the front page of it, Golf Monthly if he likes. If it he's feels been, good, he's a model mate for me because. Um, Watching him getting getting belted by by Larry Mize chipping in and, and Bob Tway holding a trap shot and Nick Faldo you know smashing him and he walk on he walk up to the, the player and shake hands give him a hug well done mate smile and off he'd go now no one's done that better yeah. I don't think anyone's lost better he's a very classy person whether he's a he has a big ego obviously he's can be a little aggressive he speaks his mind but um, you know like I said he's not everyone's cup of tea but geez he's done a lot of good things don't, don't smash him over this. Fair enough. I take your point, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who wouldn't take that point. Absolutely. And, and I'm reading their stupid twi- tweets and Well, stop stuff. reading them. Instagrams. And Just don't read them. I hate them. What's his club head speed like? <laughs> <laughs> it'll be still pretty good. It'll be very, yeah, it'll be excellent. All right. That's Larry, Larry's spit of the week. If you're on social media, don't write anything that Larry might read, all right? Particularly if it's about the great white shark, and even more so if it's about the great white shark with nothing on. He doesn't like it. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Stephen. This has been Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. We will be back with more in the very near future.